me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 15. And again, what we're going to do is just kind of just build our faith up. Exodus chapter 15. Exodus 15. And uh, this is a, um, a promise from the Lord uh, where he reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha to us. The Lord who heals us. In Exodus chapter 15, let's look at verse 26. Exodus 15, 26. Now, I, I, most of you know me by now that uh, I normally use the New King James Version. Sometimes I might use the New Living and so on and so forth. But all these, we're going to start looking at it, and then we're going to look at some different translations. So again, Exodus 15, 26, and we're going to jump right into the Lord speaking. And he says, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Now we know, does God have any disease to put on anybody? <laughs> no, he doesn't. Right here where it says, I will put none of the diseases... It really should read, I will allow, or I will not allow, I should say. So he said, I will not allow any of the diseases on you which I have allowed on the Egyptians. Um, there's a vast difference in reading it that way. That's the truth. It should be more of in a permissive sense here. But the fact is this. I want you, let's just read it again. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, Give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. Again, I'm going to read it that way. I will uh, not allow any of the diseases on you which I have allowed on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. What, what Lord is he? The one who heals us, right? Say, he is the Lord who heals us, right? He is the Lord, our healer. Now, I want you to notice something in context here. In verse 26, it's talking about obeying the Lord, isn't it? It's talking about diligently listening to what he has to say. It's talking about doing his word, giving ear to his commandments, and keeping them. So what does that mean? Be a doer of his word. Say it with me. I am a doer of his word. So we don't just hear the word. We do the word. And notice how this leans into him telling us what he is in our life. And that he reveals himself as the Lord who heals us. Now, somebody might say, well, so you're saying, Pastor, that if I disobey God, then he won't heal me. No, I didn't say that. What I am saying here is what the Word says, and that is God is saying that if you will do these things, what are we doing when we obey God? We are yielding our heart and mind, aren't we? Right? We're, we're, we're willing to do his way. Who's God? He's God, right? So does he have a right to run our life? Does he have a right to... to he's the creator, right? And we're the clay, <laughs> right? He has a right as creator, as God, to direct our life, so to speak. Now, isn't it wonderful that we have a choice to obey him? He doesn't make us obey him. He doesn't force us to obey him. But he's saying, if you'll walk with me, if you will obey my word, if you will connect with me, if you will obey what I say and do what I say, what he's saying here is in that cooperation, 
I'm going to be able to operate in your life. In other words, if we rebel, if we choose, I don't want to go your way, Lord. I don't want to do things your way. I want to do things my way. What did we do? We closed the door of him operating in our life. You see that? So in other words, is it conducive? Is it beneficial for us to walk hand in hand with him? To obey him? To honor him? How many would agree? If we do that, what do we do? We're opening the door for him to operate in our life. And one of the benefits of him operating is he's the Lord, our healer. Amen? And so now if you outright disobey God... Yeah, you might have some problems in your physical body. It doesn't mean the Lord put them on you. It just means you open to the door to the enemy to come in and he does his thing. And God's hands are tied. Why? Because you're not obeying him. You, you, essentially by breaking fellowship, essentially by disobeying him, you're just saying, Lord, I want to run my life. Stay out of it. And that's not the way we want to live, do we? I don't know about you, but I want him involved in every part of my life, right? I want to walk hand in hand with him. Is he not a good God to us? Is he not, is he not, does he not love us? Does he not want the best for us? Doesn't he want us healthy and strong, vibrant? He wants us blessed. He wants us financially taken care of. He wants the best for us. And so it's beneficial for us to walk hand in hand with him. Now I want to read this out of the New Living. Just listen closely. It says, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight, obeying His commands and keeping all His decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I have allowed on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Say it with me. He's the Lord, my healer. Okay. Now, I just want to read to you some different versions of the Bible. The New English says, for I am the Lord your healer. The uh, lesser one says, for I am the Lord, uh, for I, the Lord, am thy physician. Isn't that good? God's our doctor. Say it with me. The Lord is my doctor. Now, isn't he the most awesome doctor in the world? He's not just practicing. He knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Right? All the other doctors, that's what they said. They call it a practice because they're practicing, Right? But God is not practicing. This, this, you're going to love this one. This is the Smith Goodspeed. For I, the Lord, make you immune to them. I, the Lord, make you immune to what? To diseases. Amen? Can God make you immune? I'm telling you what. The Knox translation says, I, the Lord, will bring thee only health. Only health. Isn't that good? He say he's the Lord, my healer. Well, thank you, Cindy. I appreciate that. The rest of you apparently have fallen ill because your ears aren't working right. Say with me, I the Lord. What am I saying? I the Lord. <laughs> See, you got me mixed up now. Say, he's the Lord who heals me. All right. Now, I got a confession I want to do. All right. You ready? You say this with me. I better hear everybody. All right. And you say it like you mean it. Say, God is speaking to me now, saying, I am the Lord who heals you. He is watching over his word to perform it. He is the Lord who heals me. He's healing me now. This word contains the ability to produce what it says. His word is full of healing power. I receive this word now. Healing is God's nature. 
God is in me. My body is the temple of the Lord that heals me. God is bigger than any sickness, than the devil. God is dwelling inside of me, healing me now. Amen. Is it working in you right now? Amen. Let's go to Proverbs. Go with me to Proverbs. And again, tonight what we're going to do is just, let's just get into the Word and just stir our faith up. Amen. This is what you do when your back's against the wall. I'm going to tell you what I did. You might even hear a little bit of nasalness in my voice. And that's because yesterday, you know, a cold tried to get on me. And I refused it. Boy, I'm telling you what, I snotted, I sneezed, I did all kinds of things. And, and, uh, but what I did was I got into what I'm talking to you about now. And I just started professing and confessing and building my faith up. I feel fine right now. Now, I mean, I might sound a little nasally, but I literally slept like a baby last night. I mean, I mean, just beautiful. Nothing at all. I, I felt great when I woke up this morning. Does the word work? Amen. The word works every time. All right, Proverbs 17, 22. Some of you will remember, know this one. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. A merry heart does good. Everybody say it with me. A merry heart does good like medicine. Amen. But a broken spirit dries the bones. Now, this tells us, when we say a merry heart, part of it is laughter. I remember reading an article um, quite a while ago, and it was talking about some uh, people in the science realm, the world, who were doing some studying on uh, a simple thing like, they may have got the idea from this scripture, but there's a lot of proverbs out there and things like that, and I'm not talking about out of the word that would say something along these lines, all right? How many believe laughing is better than crying, all right? I mean, being full of joy is better than being depressed, right? Right? Being positive is better than being negative. I mean, that's obvious. Well, many of these guys got together, and they did some testing. And I remember them talking about patients that were, um, basically, they had a life-threatening disease like cancer. And there wasn't much um, of what they were doing um, with all their technology that was really helping the situation. It wasn't advancing them. They weren't getting better, in other words. And they had a certain amount of time left. And so what they did was they, they tried to see if some of these things wouldn't work. And so they got some candidates, and what they did was they put funny movies in front of them. So they sat for hours watching um, Abbott and Costello and this and this and just different, you know, Jerry Lewis, whoever, you know, at the time that they, it may have been a number of others. And they just watched them and they just, there's a lot of movies where you just laugh, you know, uh, Three Stooges. I mean, sorry, but no matter how many times I see somebody hit with a hammer, it's funny. It's just funny. I don't know why. It's just funny, you know. But anyway, they would laugh and they started noticing an increase in the right direction as they would do that. How many believe God knew that all along? In other words, there's a lot of things out in the world people say or do that come right on the edge of the word without giving God credit. But the fact is, if you work the word, whether you're a saint or sinner, it'll work in your life. 
If you're a big giver, I don't care if you're a sinner. You're a rotten sinner. If you are generous in your giving, what's going to happen? Generosity is going to come back to you. You reap what you sow. And so if you apply the Word of God, no matter what situation or your background, it's still going to work because it's God's Word. But praise God, we got double benefit. Amen? We know the Lord and we can act on His Word. So again, Proverbs 17, 22, A merry heart does good like medicine. But a broken spirit dries the bones. The Good News translation says, being cheerful keeps you healthy. The Smith Goodspeed translation says, a happy heart is a healing medicine. That's good. A happy, joyful heart is a healing medicine. The basic English, a glad heart makes a healthy body. Another translation says, a glad heart helps and heals. In other words, it's going to make a difference. The Jerusalem translation says this. This is really good. A glad heart is excellent medicine. A spirit depressed wastes the bones away. So it's very, very powerful. The Knox translation says a cheerful heart makes a quick recovery. Amen? So can we get a quicker recovery all depending on how we approach things, right? Our attitude and our, we have a, can you have a joyful heart right in the middle of a mess? You can if you gave all that mess to the Lord. And see, this is the beautiful thing. If you really believe the word of God and you casted all your care upon the Lord, then who has your care? He does. Wouldn't you be grateful if you just handed it over to him and he took it? Thank God I don't have to wear it. It's, I mean, I tell you guys, when I learned this, especially in the area of finances, oh my gosh, did it make my life easier. See, I realized he's the source, not me. He's the source. And so if he's the source, then I don't care what things look like. My God shall supply almighty according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, not according to my account, right? According to whose? His, right? Say, the Lord is my source. Now say it like you mean it. The Lord is my source. Amen. (laughs) Now let's have a confession here. Now I want you to practice laughing. Ready? I'm not going to do the ha-ha-ha thing he would do, all right? Because I want to laugh naturally, okay? I made you all laugh right then, didn't you? So I, I stretched your lungs and your mouth there. Ready? So I want you to laugh. You ready? <laughs> Isn't it funny that when you start, it's easier? It seems so dorky when you start, you know? But say this with me. I have a merry heart. Sickness can't dominate me. What do you think you're trying to do, devil? Tell him, you can't put sickness on me. He can't, can he? Say, I have a merry heart, and I'm full of joy. Therefore, no sickness. I recover quickly. Now let's laugh again. You ready? (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. Go with me to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. See, what we're doing is, as we're going about this, we're actually doing what we're talking about. Aren't we practicing it? Isaiah 53. You need to do that at home. I'm telling you what, you'll have a laughing fit if you did it. 
I'm serious, guys. I've done it. I've sit there and just rejoiced in the Lord. I didn't feel like it. It looked like everything was going to fall apart. Nothing's working right, but I refused to. Listen, we walk by faith and not by sight. And so I would just start laughing at it. All of a sudden, the joy of the Lord would start coming up in the inside of me and take over until I couldn't stop laughing. You know, that's where you want to get. And if you'll stay there, I promise, Holy Ghost will kick into overdrive and you'll be laughing and uncontrollably. That's a good place to be. Then you just say, ah, stick it, devil. I don't care what you got to say. Amen? All right, Isaiah chapter 53. Let's read verses 4 and 5. Again, we're just building our faith up. We're just increasing our faith. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Whose transgressions? Our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, not his. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Say it with me. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Now, let me read this to you. This is the Bible in basic English. But it was our pain he took. And our diseases were put on him. While to us he seemed as one diseased on whom God's punishment had come. But it was for our sins he was wounded. And for our evil doings he was crushed. He took the punishment by which we have peace. And by his wounds we are made well. We are healed. Amen. The important part of this and what you really need to meditate on is that Jesus carried our sickness and diseases. He took upon himself our sicknesses and diseases. When we consider that and you meditate on that, you realize, wait a minute now. If he took them for me, it would be an insult to take them back. He went through a great, great pain. Great effort to pay the price for me to be healed and healthy. It would be rude to disregard that, wouldn't it? It, It's wrong. The fact is, in truth, he did take your pains. He did take your sicknesses. He did cover all of them. Amen? Now, let's look at some other translations. I like this. But only our diseases did he bear himself. And our pains he carried. Through his bruises was healing granted to us. Amen. Say it with me again. I am healed by the stripes Jesus took for me. Amen. That is a fact, guys. It is not something we say, I hope I get healed. I'm already healed. It's already a done deal. The basic English says, but it was our pain he took. And our diseases were put on him. While to us, it seemed as one diseased on whom God's punishment had come. Now, the Rotherham says this, by his stripes, there is healing for us. Amen. There is healing for us. How many believe that his, those stripes covered everything? Amen. Everything. There's no, there's no rare Hawaiian disease. There's no, I mean, and there are people, I'm telling you, you've heard me say this before, brag, brag about their, well, I got this. You know, one of them might say, well, I got diabetes. Oh, yeah? I'll one-up you. I got, you know, this, this, and this. And then another one wheels up. 
well, I'm in a wheelchair, and I got this, this, and this. And it's a contest about who's got more problems. I don't know about you, but I want to be the one standing there saying, I don't got nothing. <laughs> I don't got anything. Why don't I have anything? Because Jesus took care of it for me. We do not have to live in this life with sickness and disease. But you know what? You have to come to the point. It's sad to say. It doesn't have to be this way. But it seems like with most of us that you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And that's when you begin to make a change in your life. And I'm not talking about making a change in your diet. I'm not talking about making a change in anything other than what the Word of God says and your attitude towards it and what you're saying out of your mouth. You have to get to the point that you are, again, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word, and the fastest way for faith to grow in your heart is by you saying it. You believe yourself, don't you? Jack, do you ever lie to yourself? No, you don't. Come on. You don't go lying to yourself. When you look in the mirror, you don't lie. You believe yourself, right? I mean, come on. You guys, some of you are limited. Well, you know, you don't lie to yourself. I'm talking to yourself. You might lie to other people and might not tell them the truth. Oh, me. But you don't lie to yourself. Why? Because you know you. I mean, and so if you tell yourself something, your spirit believes you. If it comes out of your mouth, you, why would you lie to yourself? And so the more that we speak what God's word says over us, even if we don't believe it when we start out, we say it and we say it and we say it and we say it. How do you think they get some of these uh, guys out there in, uh, what, what, what am I thinking of? Um, oh, da, 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 da. yeah, I'm searching for the word. I'm searching for the word. You know, one of the cults, you know how they try to get somebody to believe a certain way? They're a normal person until they get involved with these crazies. Now, how do they get them convinced of what they believe and they start walking in it? By getting them to what? Talk it. Say it. Repeat it. Confess it. Say it. Compete it. Refess. Just, just have them confess it and confess it and confess it. Man, I can make you believe anything if I can get you to say it long enough. Right? Think about it. I mean, if you say something long enough, you'll eventually believe it even if it's not the truth. Because why? You're saying it and you're saying that. In other words, there's a principle here in the Word of God when it comes to what we say and the connection to our spirit. And I'm telling you, for example, if you keep on saying to yourself, every time I go on vacation, a bad things happen. Every time I go on vacation, something goes wrong. Every single time I go, and I say that, and I say that over year after year, and every time I meet so-and-so, I brag about it, and I just, it comes out of me, and I say it, and I say it, and I say it, and I say it, and I say it. Eventually, without me even realizing it, I believe it. See, and if you believe a thing and say it with your mouth, what's going to happen? That thing is going to happen. In other words, you set it in motion. It's going to happen. Somehow your spirit will look for a way to sabotage your vacation. (laughs) If you don't believe me, go ahead and try it. But most of you are already aware. Because you can think of some things that you've said in the past that you said, that you said, that you said, that you said. And guess what? You're eating it now. I mean, you're living it, right? Anybody got any family that's not exactly the way you want it to be? I mean, think about certain situations in your life and what you've said corresponding to them. They'll never change. 
they'll never change. They're so hard, they'll never change. Well, guess what you have? A hard-headed individual who won't change. Everybody say with me, I have what I say. (laughs) It works in our life, guys. It works both negative and positive. Amen? All right, so let's look at some here. Um, We already went through this. So let, let me give you a good confession. You ready? Everybody, surely Jesus has carried my sicknesses and diseases and carried my pains. He bore them and carried them away to a distance. I don't have to bear what he bore for me. I refuse to take up what he carried for me. Satan cannot put on me what Jesus bore for me. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. I am whole. Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. All right. Matthew chapter 8. We've got a few left. Matthew chapter 8. Is this doing you some good tonight? Amen. Getting you to say it, not just me. <laughs> I'm telling you, I did this several times uh, yesterday and, and today. And boy, I tell you what, it was amazing how fast um, it just started working in me. You know, it's like, it's like taking a vitamin, except it's much better <laughs> and no side effects. Matthew chapter 8. The only side effect is you might feel better. <laughs> Matthew chapter 8. Look at verses 16 and 17. I like this, talking about the Lord. When evening had come, they brought to him, talking about the Lord Jesus, many who were demon-possessed. And he cast the spirits, he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. How many did he heal? All. What does all mean? All. Right? If we look up the Greek meaning of the word all, what are we going to find out? It means all. So all means nothing left out, right? Right? Nothing left out. So how many did he heal? So how many does Jesus want to heal? All. Heal all. All who are sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, which we read earlier, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Whose infirmities did he take? Whose sicknesses did he take? Ours. So what do you have left? <laughs> Say, I'm healed. Amen. I'm healthy, praise God. Now, one translation says this. It says, he took away our illnesses and lifted our diseases for us. I like that. He took away our illnesses and lifted our diseases for us. The Amplified says this. It says, he himself took in order to carry away our weaknesses and infirmities and bore away our diseases. That's really good. He took them away from us. The New English Bible says he took away our illnesses and carried away our diseases. That ought to be your confession all the time. He took away my illnesses. He took my, away my illnesses. So when illness comes knocking on your door, what's the answer? I'm sorry, I, I don't think you understand that Jesus took away my illnesses, so I refuse to accept that. That's exactly how the devil works in your life. He comes knocking in, and what he's hoping is that you start saying, well, man, I wasn't feeling good, and I could really use a couple days off, and I could just lay around and, and just relax, and you know, right? That's what he wants you to do, but you, don't, you just absolutely refuse it. I don't want that. 
I don't want it in my life. Amen? And if you open the door for something like that, I'm telling you right now by experience, you might say, well, I really wasn't believing for sickness, Pastor, but I did want a couple days off. Well, then quit fibbing and take a couple days off. Amen? I actually knew a preacher one time that was going to call in sick so he could preach late on a Sunday night at some other church he was invited to. I'm thinking, so I looked right at him in the eye, and I'm like, wait a minute, now you're going to lie to your work to go preach at this church the truth. And I said, why don't you just tell your boss you'd like the day off? Oh, I can't do that. Well, you got no business preaching then. All right. Right? How many of you believe that I shouldn't lie to one and preach the truth to someone else? You know? <laughs> okay, let's got a, we got a good confession on this one. You ready? Jesus himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. He carried away my sicknesses and diseases. He bore them away and removed them. Disease is not mine. Healing is mine. I refuse to bear what Jesus bore for me. Satan, you cannot put disease on me. I refuse to accept sickness and disease. I will not tolerate sickness. Sickness and disease are totally unacceptable to me. And that's the attitude you need to have. Too many Christians are just... Well, you know, it's normal to have a cold. No, it isn't. Not according to what we're reading, right? It's normal to have allergies in springtime. That's just the way it is. It's normal to, uh, you know, you got vision issues after you hit 40. It's normal for your back to begin to hurt when you get older. It's normal for rheumatism. It's normal for this. It's normal for that. Where do we see that? Show me in Scripture. Show me something that says that's okay. Nowhere in the Word of God do we see that's okay. Now, I'm not condemning anybody and beating any, on anybody, but I don't know about you. I don't want to have anything to do with any of it. I like just feeling good. Isn't it wonderful when you feel good and you lay your head down and peace overtakes you and you fall asleep in seconds and wake up refreshed and healthy and ready to attack the day? Instead, many Christians go to bed frustrated, irritated, and then they lay there sometimes, or they wake up many times, and then they wake up in the morning dreading the next day because they've got to start it all over again. That is not the way life should be. Amen? You should be looking just as much towards Monday excited as you are Friday. <laughs> right? The joy of the Lord is not just a, you know, well, it's, it depends on it's the right day payday i love it you know monday morning it stinks you know or monday night for larry and whoever else you know <laughs> all right go with me to first peter chapter 2 verse 24 y'all know this one first peter 2 24 who himself talking about the lord jesus bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Now, you see the connection here in God's redemption plan between Jesus paying for our sin, but he not only paid for our sin, what did he do? 
He paid for our health, right? He paid the price for both at the same time. So, and this scripture is a beautiful one that ties it together. Basically, if Jesus took care of our sin, he took care of our physical body, is what I'm trying to say. It's one and the same in the mind of God, all right? But this scripture really puts it together. Let me read this to you in the uh, basic English version. It says, he took our sins on himself, giving his body to be nailed on the tree, so that we, being dead to sin, might have a new life and righteousness, and by his wounds we have been made well, or by his wounds we have been healed. Amen? Say it again with me. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Amen? Why? Because you were, therefore I am. The 20th century version says, his bruise was your healing. His bruise was your healing. Remember that. Picture that in your minds. It is important for you to visualize that Jesus carried. He took it from me. And in exchange, he gave me his health. And how many know Jesus was healthy? Listen to me carefully. Stop and think about it for just one moment, everybody. All right? Because often... Because we might not hear about something in the Scripture or it preached, we don't often think about it. But is there anything recorded at any given time, in any shape or form, that Jesus was ever sick? Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. Think about that for a moment. The Lord Jesus, His entire life, is completely healthy. Not one recording of anything lacking in his body. You think there's something supernatural going on there? Now, he gave us his health. We should be looking at sickness and disease as abnormal. Sickness and disease should be so foreign in the body of Christ that we're shocked it had the nerve to appear. That's how it should be. But until we finally get again... Sick and tired of being sick and tired. It is ab... Everybody say, sickness and disease should be abnormal in my body. On any level, in any form. Well, I wasn't going to confess that, but I, I appreciate your being attentive. Do you see what I'm saying, though? He was never sick. Ever sick. Ever. Not even a little bit. Not even a sniffle. Nothing. And that is exactly how we should be living. He gave his life for us. An exchange, so to speak. That he would take away my... He would take away... Did he really take away our sickness and disease? Are we talking about just... It just sounds pretty. It just sounds... Wow, that sounds wonderful. Oh, praise the Lord that he did this. But it's just a thought. It's just... Uh, it's just, uh, you know... It's a metaphor for something. Or did he literally pay the price and took my sickness and my disease away from me? That means the minute it starts creeping up in your body, you ought to be talking to it and resisting it. And if it is in your body now, you ought to be daily talking to it. Every day, all the time. You know, I shared with you, that I thought it was an excellent uh, illustration. Um, the, the woman, uh, what's her name? Kate McVeigh. Some of you might have heard her on the radio on KMYD. And she's a good faith preacher. 
And she was talking about when she began to uh, understand some of these things, uh, and as she was ministering, she began to share with her mom. And her mom uh, was a diabetic. And uh, she was doing what she was supposed to do, you know, and, and uh, she would have to take insulin shots and things like that. And so she began to share with her mom the Word of God. And she gave a confession to her mom. And she said, this is what I want you to do, Mom. Every single time you go to give yourself a shot, you say thus and so. And basically what she was saying is she was talking to her body and how her body works and what the Word of God says. And, and in, in that confession would be, I no longer need insulin because my body operates properly. And whatever the confession was, okay? And so she might have said the confession anytime she thought about it, but every single time the woman said she'd have to give herself a shot, she would go ahead and say this confession. And she did it, and she did it, and she did it. And I don't know how long passed, maybe weeks, you know, six, seven weeks, maybe longer, I don't know. But she just kept, she got in a habit and just said it over and over and over and over and over. Finally, um, there came a time in her life where she began to get really ill not feeling well at all. Something was way wrong. So she goes to the doctor and the doctor tells her why she's ill. She doesn't have a problem and she shouldn't be taking insulin. The insulin's making her sick. And so she immediately got rid of that. But how did that happen? Her faith made her well. Her faith made her well. Her words turned the ship around in her life. She changed her life by changing her words. So think about that in your own life. Whatever the challenge is in your life, change your words, change your life. All right? Get yourself saying what God says about your situation until you finally believe it. See, many of you are easy to say, oh, yes, Pastor, I believe, I believe, I believe. But when the pressure's on and you're in a lot of pain and you're uncomfortable and it won't quit and it hurts and it hurts and it hurts and it hurts, then you begin to say out of your mouth, why isn't this working? Now, you won't say it to me, but you'll talk to someone else and you'll complain and you'll yell, I just don't understand this stuff. Guess what that means? What does that mean? You don't really believe it if you believe it you won't quit you understand that's why jesus said say it say it say it say it say it until you finally really down in your heart believe it you can believe it in your head but your head isn't going to change anything Faith is of the heart. Faith is of the spirit. And so the reason why some of you have not seen that thing changed in your life is because you've been saying it out of your head. And then when it's convenient, you might say something contrary. But if you will stay with your confession with what God said about that situation and stay there and stay there and stay there, even if you don't, you could actually say, I really don't believe it. But if you'll stay there and you'll stay there, and you'll stay there, and you'll stay there, and you'll st- and just refuse to quit. Somewhere in there, faith will begin to grow in your spirit. And then one of those days, you'll speak that, and it's changed. It's, how many times did he say we have to talk to that mountain? If we believe in our heart and say with our mouth, that mountain will move. That, how, does, is a mountain big? How many, how many agree, Jack? mountain's big, right? Is there anything bigger in this life than anybody can think of greater than a mountain? 
think about it now, a mountain, I mean on land, that's pretty much the biggest thing you can think of. And the Lord said, that will move if you believe in your heart and say with your mouth. Right? It will. But you have to really, truly believe it. How do I get to believing? By saying, 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 and not listening to everybody else. And saying, and saying, and saying, and then watching your thought life. Don't let your mind go off and think of, of it not working. Deal with every thought that comes in your mind and say it and say it and say it. How long do you say it? Until you see the change. (laughs) Until you see the change. But do you have a promise from God that it will change? Absolutely. How long will that be? Depends on you and your faith. It might happen in a week. It might happen in a year. What's the difference? At least there's a change. Right? Is anything... Have you guys ever had a major declaration of sickness change and disease change in your body and you not do anything and no one do anything and it change (laughs) i mean in other words if somebody was called a diabetic and confirmed they were diabetic if they (laughs) if they just said i'm just not going to do anything is anything going to change no nothing's going to change it might get worse but at least it's going to stay the same so who cares how long it takes amen amen just deal with it until it's done. Somebody said this. Well, let me put it in another way to say this. Somebody asked a, somebody one time about the Lord and the direction in their life. And they were in their, um, I think it was mid to late 50s, okay? And uh, uh, maybe, I think it was really late 50s, you know, 58, 59, somewhere in there. And they really felt of the Lord called to go back to school um, and get their doctorate. Now think about that. That's a lot of years of school, okay? We're talking eight, nine, ten years, I mean, to get where they need to be. But they felt that's what the Lord was doing. But their head kept on saying, but look how old I am. And so when they went to this person who was very wise and said, what do you think I ought to do? And he said, well, let me ask you a question. Now, I want you guys to think about this because it will relate to what I just told you about the healing and sickness. How old are you now? So well, I'm, I'm about 59. And if you, if you go to school, how old will you be when you graduate? Probably, you know, bumping 69 years old. And how old will you be if you don't go? Uh, same. This is what most people's excuse in life is. Well, I don't want to do it because I'm older, this or that. Isn't time going to pass one way or the other? So you might as well do something productive. You might as well do what God told you to do. Amen. Guys, there's a lot of wisdom in what you just heard. Apply that in any area of your life. Amen? All right, let's get to our confession. Say it with me. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. Healing belongs to me. I was healed 2,000 years ago by the stripes Jesus bore for me. I'm not trying to get healed. I've got healing. Because by His stripes, I am healed. All right, one last scripture, 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Boy, I tell you what, I'm stirred up. It's good for us, amen? 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. We looked at this along another line uh, the other day. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. 
For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Aren't we grateful for that? That he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, the Amplified says this. Now, guys, listen closely, okay? Don't read in your Bibles, because I can see some of you reading, all right? It ain't going anywhere, I promise. <laughs> 1 John 3, this is the Amplified. It says, But he who commits sin, who practices evil doing, is of the devil, takes his character from the evil one. For the devil has sinned, violated the divine law from the beginning. Now listen to this. The reason the Son of God was made manifest or visible was to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works the devil has done. Now what has the devil done? We talked about this the other day. Steal, kill, destroy. Is sickness in that? Absolutely. Sickness steals, kills, and destroys. That is a work of the devil. And Jesus came, I love this, to undo, to destroy, to loosen, to dissolve what he has done. Man, I tell you what. That's what you ought to tell the devil. He comes at you and he says, I'm going to give you this net. You know, you ever get a pain and all of a sudden he tells you it's cancer, you're going to die? Am I the only one? Larry, have you ever had that? Some crazy thing hits you and, and the, he's in there, you're going to die. It's cancer. I'm going to kill you. You might got three months. See, shut up, devil. And I mean, you start talking to him about this, he'll leave you alone real fast. Just go to Revelation chapter 20 and talk about his final lockup. Just read the Bible to him. He will leave you alone. Okay, You want to fall asleep fast if he's hassling you? Just go read him Revelation 20. He'll leave you alone real quick. All right, let's look at some of the different translations of this. The reason the Son of God was made manifest or visible was to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works the devil has done. The basic English says... And the Son of God was seen on earth so that he might put an end to the works of the evil one. I like that. The end. The wand version. That he might neutralize what the devil has done. Man, I tell you. And was, what does that mean? Powerless. Just powerless. The Phillips translation. Now the Son of God came to the earth with the express purpose of liquidating the devil's activities. <laughs> I'm telling you what. He's got nothing. He's got nothing. Man, I tell you. Okay, here's a good confession. You ready? Sickness is a work of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. No, this is good. Say this with me and mean it. Say, sickness has been dissolved, broken up, annulled, undone, and liquidated as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Jesus put a sickness... To an end for me.